Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 12. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Can Christians drink? Hey, yeah, the Christians, Christian, can Christians drink? Yeah, drink wine, but should Christians be drunk? No. Christians shouldn't be drunk. The Bible's very, very clear on that. I was just recently asked, can Christians smoke? Well, let me just put it like this. Can Christians smoke? Some Christians love the Lord so much that they want to be in heaven sooner. And so they smoke. <laughs> can, you know, all this stuff, man, you know, Christian, can, can, caffeine, you know, we're talking about now we got coffee ministry. Well, there used to be a time in the church where if you ate, consumed caffeine at all, that was ungodly. There used to be a time in the church like that. Now we have coffee ministry. Now things change. Caffeine now is considered true spirituality. I mean, if you consume caffeine now, you got more energy in the day to do godly things, I guess. But legalism, see, this is how you know what legalism is and what it is not. If something changes throughout time, you you will know that's legalism. Because, see, God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God's word does not change. See, the things that we as Christians understand to be practices in which we must embrace that really are not a matter of legalism, but is a matter of Christian behavior. Behavior, we embrace those things, and those things have never changed. But legalism and things that man-made rules and regulations imposed on people, you give it enough time, those things will change. And the church is under so much like, can, can Christians go to a movie? That's another one. And if they can, then what, what, G, P, G, P, G, 13, R, what can they see? And we know Christians shouldn't be looking at those other three letters. You know what I'm saying? Oh, don't act holy, y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all like, what? Well, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. Okay, fine. But look, the Bible doesn't put all these rules and regulations on you. And really what you should and should not do, here's what the scriptures have to say. Got a pen? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. It says this. I've got it on the screen. All things are lawful unto me. Would you read it with me as a matter of fact? All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, see, all things are lawful. In other words, that which is not the areas of sin. Now, please do not understand me to be saying you can go out and do whatever you want. No, the Bible's very, very clear about what is sinful behavior, what you should and should not be doing. But in these areas of liberty, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not good for me. That's what the word expedient means. 
All things are lawful, but all things are not good. In other words, we are free in Christ. I thank God for my freedom. I appreciate my freedom. I guard my freedom. Do you saints say amen? I guard that freedom. I love that freedom. But you got to understand, if I exercise my freedom in an activity that has the potential to bring me under its power, then I am sacrificing my freedom. For example, if you have a propensity toward alcoholism, then yes, do you have the freedom to drink wine? Yes. But if you do, you're possibly sacrificing that freedom and could be brought under control of that thing of which you are weak to. Therefore, in this case, you should not exercise your freedom. That wouldn't be wisdom. If you understand that, say amen. Now, in areas of which your freedom, stay with me, in areas in which your freedom offends me, then you also do not have the right to exercise your freedom. What? That's right. (laughs) If what you do offends me, then you don't have the right to do it biblically. At least... In front of me. For example, this is silly, but here. Example, if salt offends me, Morton's sodium offends Morton's, now specifically Morton's, all right, offends me. And you have me over for dinner. And I come over to your house and I see a box of Morton's on your table and I freak out. I mean, I just, ah, 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 oh my God, no, 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 man, oh no, no, there's salt on the table, oh my God, well, Pastor Ronnie was wrong, oh man, salt, I can't handle salt, salt offends me, man, I think salt's, on, I mean, the, the blood pressure and, you know, just, I just, salt is bugs me, man, I'm freaking out. Then it's your responsibility as a mature Christian not to say, you know what, Pastor Ronnie, I don't care if salt offends you, you just want to get over it, <laughs> which someone, that's what most of y'all would say, right? You know, Pastor, I don't care if it's salt offends you. I like salt. I got to have some salt on my food. <laughs> now, see, don't say that. You know they don't say that. You're walking in love. Amen? You're walking in love. All right, so here's love. Here's love, okay? Here's law. Law is you have the freedom to have your salt. But love is your freedom stumbles me. And therefore, you don't have that freedom in front of me. If you have that liberty, then have it to yourself when I'm not there. So walk in love means, you know I'm coming over, put the Mortons away, you see. So when your liberty offends me, that's when your liberty cease because we walk by the, here it is, here it is. We walk by the higher law of love. Now this is what Christian maturity is all about. See, we talk about how mature we are. Well, if you really want to be mature, then we have to love each other and walk in love toward each other. That's Christian maturity. And that's, that's how we walk in the spirit. And that's how we walk in love for each other and love for God. And that's how we exercise our liberty. All things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. And so often in the church today, I got to say that we get so caught up in our theological hair splitting and we get in our holy huddles and we're talking about things that are that just really don't make sense in light of eternity. We're talking about can you drink wine? Can you smoke a cigarette? Can you go to the movies? Nothing. None of these things matter. The truth is we need to be concerned that people are dying and going to hell while we're discussing a glass of wine. Now, you got to hear me. 
Now, we're sitting around discussing whether somebody can go to the movies or drink a glass of wine or, or, or whatever those things might be. Or can they wear lipstick and can they not and all of these things. When, in fact, we have people who are dying and going to hell and all of the energy that we spend trying to put each other in our legalistic boxes, people are dying and going to hell right around you. And you don't even share the gospel with them. You know, one preacher, he said it best and he said it powerfully. When he said this, listen, talking about Christian legalists, he said, in the hour it takes me to preach this sermon, 250,000 people across this country will have died not knowing Jesus Christ and going to eternal destruction. He said, and most of you don't give a damn. And then he said, and you are shocked because I said the word damn and not shocked that I said 250,000 people are going to hell. Now, I know you were shocked because I could see you. As soon as I said that, y'all were like, <gasps> Pastor Ryan said, damn. Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I bought visitors today, too. Oh, no. No, y'all probably writing them notes. He's not normally like this. He ain't saying, no, oh, no. He don't say that. No, 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 no. You came on the wrong day. I'll buy you lunch. I'll buy you lunch, please. I know that's what you're thinking. But see, but then doesn't that make my point? My point is, we get shocked at, at the fact that I said, damn, and, and we're not shocked the fact that 250,000 people are going to hell even as I preach this sermon. This is what I'm talking about. We get in our holy huddles and our theological hair splitting, and we forget what truly, truly matters, and that is people who, you know, we get caught up in what people wear. And they come to church and how they look. Hey, I'm guilty. I'm telling you. I remember when I first walked into Calvary Chapel and people had on shorts and T-shirts and flip-flops. And that was out in California. I thought, man, he, this got to be a cult, man. There ain't no way in the world. Nobody should come to church in those shorts. And, of course, I was sharp, you know. And uh, there ain't no way in the world people need to be dressing like that. That can't be right. I remember thinking about that. But then when I started hearing the word taught and I started, God started softening my heart and started showing me it's not about what you look like on the outside. It's how is your heart dressed up on the inside. And so we get so caught up in what people are wearing. Listen, I don't care what you wear to church. Just put on some clothes. <laughs> Say amen. Just wear something. I don't care if you wear a suit, you know, and then, uh, then be careful not to go the other way. You know, we, we're relaxed, we're contemporary, we're cool church, so we just dress like we want. And then when people come in who are dressed up, more dressed up than us, then we go the other way. I remember experiences like that. We got it. That doesn't matter. I'm just trying to tell you, none of this matters to the Lord. The only thing that matters to him is that we are concerned about the things of the kingdom. When you see somebody walk through that door, that person either knows Jesus and needs to be edified or they don't know Jesus and they need to be saved. That's what it really boils down to. If you agree with that, would you clap your hands? Would you? Can we just get free? Let's just get free. Now, I want you to notice in your Bibles, notice again, i got to move on. Notice again, uh, notice how, how Jesus answered this. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Jesus is so awesome, he's so smart. <laughs> oh, that's because he's God, but yes, I mean, <laughs> he's smart. Look at this. Notice how he answers these legalists in verse 3. Notice he says, have you not read about David? And then in verse 5, he says, have you not read about the priest in the temple on the Sabbath? And then in verse 7, he says, have you not read Hosea chapter 6, verse 6? Now, when Jesus is saying, have you not read, this is actually a rebuke to them, and he is mocking them. 
He's saying, hey, you guys are Pharisees. You guys are religious studied in the word people. And you mean you don't know these things? You studied the Bible, the scriptures, and you don't know. And the reason why you don't know, that's why you're accusing us, because you don't know. That's why you're accusing us of breaking the Sabbath, is because you don't know the scriptures. Notice he said, he asked them, he said, have you not read what David did? Of course they read it. They were scholars. So Jesus is taking a jab at them. And then he starts to tell them the story of 1 Samuel chapter 21. Look that up in your own time. David and his men were running from Saul and they got hungry. And so they ran into the temple. Get this. They run into the temple and Ahimelech, he gives them something to eat. Guess from where? The table of showbread. Remember the 12 loaves of bread that were stacked and only the priest could eat from that table. So they go into the house of the Lord in the temple of God and they eat the showbread from the table, which is a violation of the law. It is. Then Jesus mentions the priest in the temple who the Bible says, he says, who always profane and desecrate the temple. In other words, they break the law, the priest break the law by working on the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, they work harder on the Sabbath than any other day of the week. They had to light fires for for candles. They had to kill the animal sacrifices, present the carcass on the altar. They worked. And yet Jesus said that's what he means by profane or desecrated. And then Jesus said, and yet they are blameless. Interesting. Now, for the Sabbath Christians, because there are a lot of Christians who think Christians need to, you know, participate on the Sabbath. Christians need to rest on the Sabbath. Christians need to observe the Sabbath. I know Christians in the church, they'll tell you, we need to observe the Sabbath. Listen, you're not observing the Sabbath if you go to church on the Sabbath. You're not observing the Sabbath if you preach on Sunday or from the pulpit on the Sabbath. You're not observing the Sabbath if you serve in the ministry on the Sabbath. If you work in the coffee bar, you work in the Sunday school, or you usher, or you do any of these things, you're not observing the Sabbath, you're working. But yet they'll tell you, you need to observe the Sabbath. But wait a minute, do you preach a sermon, pastor, on the Sabbath? Yeah, but you need to observe the Sabbath. Well, you're not observing the Sabbath. And we don't observe the Sabbath here at Calvary Chapel. I'm not observing it right now, and neither are you. We're not. I'm working. As a matter of fact, for the pastors and the leaders here at Calvary Chapel, Sunday, the Sabbath for the Christian, Sunday is the hardest day of the week we work. I get up generally on Sunday morning about 5 o'clock, maybe show up here about 7, maybe 7.30 if I'm running late. Stay all day. My wife and I, our ministry doesn't end till tonight, maybe 10, 11 o'clock. We get to go to sleep. We go to sleep when God tells us we can rest, not before. And generally Sunday is not it. But the other pastors, we work hard on the Sabbath. But people who are in leadership and children's ministry and Sunday school teachers, people, we all work hard. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not complaining. I'm blessed. I'm honored to do it. I wouldn't trade anything for the world. But the fact is, the ministry is work. Jesus says the Sabbath is work for the priest. Haven't you read? And then he quotes Hosea chapter six, verse six. And he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Here it is. Jesus is simply saying this. Write it down. Meeting human need is more important than ritual observance. That's all he's saying. He kind of takes the long way. 
and takes them to the Bible just to say that. Meeting human need is more important than ritual service. Mercy has priority over ritual. Jesus is saying you guys are so wrapped up and tied up and locked up in your petty rules and you fail to show the love and the mercy and the grace and the kindness of God because of your ritual, which is man-made. You know, I got to tell you, I was preparing this sermon on Friday and boy, did this convict me. I hate to be convicted by the word. Don't you hate it? And it was like, oh, man, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, oh, because I am very ritualistic, by the way. I got to tell you guys, I am very ritualistic when it comes to preparing my sermons. Very ritualistic. I have a set way I do it. I have a set time I do it. And I need no interruptions. And so for for Sunday morning, I start preparing probably Thursday night, all day Friday and most of the day on Saturday, ritualistically for for Wednesday night. I start on Tuesday and study most of the day on Tuesday, all day on Wednesday and come here and preach on Wednesday night. So I'm very, very ritualistic about it. And sometimes I prepare at home. I have a home office and, and more often than not, I'll be preparing at home. And sometimes, you know, my family is there. And, you know, my wife and kids are there and they'll, they'll come in and I'm studying. I'm into it, man. Don't, you know, don't bother me. I'm in the zone. You know, I'm in the zone here. You know, don't you see the Shekinah glory of God, you know? And I'm just like, you know, it's coming out of the office and, you know, it's, you know, you need glasses. It's so bright, you know, and, you know, and I'm studying. Don't bother me. And they, they come in. Hey, 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 dad, hey, dad, I got to tell you this and I tell you that. And they just go and I go, I look up and go, don't you see what I'm doing here? I am studying the word of God. Don't you know? Don't you? What is wrong with you? If you lost your mind, I am studying God's word. What's wrong with you? Get out of my office, you know? And I'm doing a study on the love of God, you know? And I'm like, what are you doing interrupting me? And God showed me, uh, you know, Friday as I was just reading this, God began to show me, Rodney, that is legalism because you're so busy getting your sermon ready you forget to take time for love and this is what Jesus is saying he's saying mercy has priority over ritual observance mercy has priority over ritual worship worship has or mercy has priority over ritual sermon preparation mercy now you got to see this I'm coming in for a landing but you got to see this you got to see this look at verse 3 Jesus appeals to a king. You see that? King David. In verse 5, Jesus appeals to a priest. And in verse 7, he appeals to a prophet. That's his ministry. Jesus was prophet, priest, and king. You see that? Now notice in verse 8, Jesus says, for the son of man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. See, the church understands something. The Sabbath was a commandment given to Israel by God and not given to the church by God. The Bible does not teach that anyone in the church needs to observe the fourth commandment of observing the Sabbath. That is never given to the church. The church began to meet on Sunday morning, not out of law, but out of love. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, Jesus rose again on a Sunday. And because the people in the early church in the book of Acts, they loved Jesus and they loved, they, they observed the resurrection and they loved the, the, the fact that their Lord rose on that day, the early church began to meet on Sunday. But that was out of love and not out of law. The church was never 
ever commanded anywhere to observe the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, it was Paul in Romans chapter 14, verse 5. He says one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. So that's me. I don't observe the Sabbath. Why? Because I esteem every day as belonging to the Lord. Amen, saints? It's every day for me. You see? And that's, that's, that, that's why I'm not just a Sunday Christian. I'm an everyday Christian. Come to church on Wednesday night. Why? Because I don't have to come to church on Sunday morning, but I do. Because I do esteem every day. That's when everybody meets here at Calvary. That's why I come. Wednesday night, everybody meets here at Calvary. That's why I come. Because it's, it's out of love. It's not out of law. And yeah, the Bible says that we're not to forsake to assemble ourselves together, but it really isn't about a day of the week. It's every day for the Lord. You understand that? Say amen. It's every day for Jesus. Now, in order to demonstrate God is into mercy and not rules, in verse 9 through 14, this man with the withered hand in the temple, he's there probably worshiping the Lord, as I said. Jesus said, let me ask you a question. What man who has a sheep who has fallen into a pit on the Sabbath won't help? that sheep out in the pit. So they asked Jesus a question. Is it lawful to heal a man on the Sabbath? Now, according to their man-made Jewish traditions, no, it was not. This is fascinating. It was lawful to save a man's life, but it was not lawful to go any further to um, promote healing. For example, if a man had a really bad cut, you could stop the bleeding, but you put, couldn't put any ointment or salve on it to, to you know, promote healing. Is that crazy? So they asked Jesus a question. Is it lawful to heal a man on the Sabbath? Jesus said, no. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me ask you a question. If there was a sheep in the pit, is it lawful to help the man uh, get the sheep out of the pit on the Sabbath? Of course it is. You see? And then he asked a very important question. How much more valuable is a man than sheep? You know, Jesus, I don't know. Because today, people are more in animal rights than human rights. Uh, I don't know. You know, I was watching TV the other day. You know they got uh, dog food that's low carb? Did y'all, did y'all know that? Uh, what is the world coming to? What in the world? Look, when I was coming up, dogs, you fed dogs what was from the table. You don't go out and get dogs low-carb food. High-protein, low-carb. Well, you know, they have Gold's Gym for animals or something. I mean, what's up with the world? It's crazy. I'm sorry. It's another sermon. There. But this man, Jesus, healed him, and they went out and, uh, and uh, sought to kill him. Now, let me give you three quick things. Three quick things. How to overcome legalism. Man, how can you overcome legalism? Three things. I got to give these to you. Number one, you have to have a right understanding of God. Amen, saints? If you want to overcome legalism, you got to understand that God is love. First John 4, 8. God is love. God is not sometimes loving and sometimes unloving, today loving some and tomorrow loving others. God is always loving. God is faithful and God is true. Understanding and overcoming legalism, you got to understand that God is love. Number one, you got to, secondly, you got to understand and have a right understanding of grace. That's so important. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. Our God is a God of grace. Amen, saints? It's not just grace for the past salvation or the future glorification, but right now, today, sanctification. He called us, he justified us, he blessed us, and he declared us righteous and holy. And someday, he's going to glorify us, and he does all that by his grace. God always deals in grace, and he accepts us when we do right. 
right and he accepts us when we do wrong. And he doesn't throw his grace in your face and try to shame you into obedience. He is a God of grace. Someone once said this, even though we don't deserve it, when we fall, God catches us in the net of grace. Don't you love that? Grace. And then thirdly, not only a right understanding of God and a right understanding of grace, but you got to have a right understanding of your Bible. And did you notice how many times Jesus said, have you not read? Have you not read? Have you not read? You see, you got to have a right understanding of your Bible. Why? That's important because if someone comes along with some man-made rule, if you know your Bible, you can ask them, is this biblical? Now, don't ask them, is this in the Bible? Because just because something is in the Bible, listen, just because something is in the Bible does not make it biblical. Did you understand that? Just because it's in the Bible doesn't make it biblical. So you got to ask them, is, you got to study the word and know the word and say, is what, is what they're telling me, is it biblical? And if it's biblical, then, then good. How do you find out whether it's biblical? Well, take a verse and look five verses before and five verses after it. And you can get the context and find out whether it's biblical. And this is what Jesus said when he said, you shall know the truth, saints. You shall know the truth. And what? The truth shall set you free. That's what Jesus is talking about. The truth of the word. You want to avoid legalism? Have a right understanding of God. Have a right understanding of grace and have a right understanding of your Bible. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293 0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.